Hello and welcome to a very special episode of uh, Especially Interesting. Um, we are, we've got a really good one for you today. And, oh, uh, oh, oh, we have. And, Geek uh, heaven for Tigger. Yeah, I think everyone's going to really enjoy this episode. Um, I'm not going to give it away. I'm just going to hand it over to our guest and say hello and say, who are you and what are we here to talk about today? Hi, David. Hi, Tigger. I am Dr. Nick Walker, and I am an autistic author and educator, professor of psychology, Aikido teacher, and I'm probably best known for my work on the neurodiversity paradigm and neuroqueer theory and my my, uh, book, Neuroqueer Heresies, uh, none of which I'm here to talk about today because uh, I have talked so much recently about my uh, nonfiction, and I'm certainly glad that that's uh, finding a wide audience so that people are finding it helpful. But uh, today I'm here to talk about uh, Weird Luck, which is the webcomic that I write and also a broader collection of stories that I co-write that are connected to the comic. So. I'm, yes, here to talk about my creative project, which is uh, what uh, where my where my passions really lie. Lush. Be, be, before we go into it, we, have, we normally have a set, as we mentioned, routine of questions to ask. And though I'm, I'm eager to go straight into, tell me about weird luck. The first question I do want to really ask is, is and I'm, I'm interested in this as well, is, is when did you when did you discover that you're awesomely autistic? Oh, when did I discover? Um, in adulthood, I was actually, um, I'm old-ish, you know, I'm, I'm 53 and uh, grew up in poverty. And so there was no access, you know, I it was very rare for, uh, much rarer for autistic people to be diagnosed in childhood when I was young. And I had no access at all. As a kid, my family had no access to diagnostic services or anything. So it was very clear that I was weird and I picked up a lot of exciting misdiagnoses uh, over throughout my childhood and adolescence. I didn't figure out that autistic uh, was what I was until I was in my uh, early thirties and I was working as a special needs reading tutor. And I had this amazing rapport with the autistic kids I worked with. Uh, where, you know, I moved like them and they just sort of recognized me. And I was like, whoa, what's up with this? Oh, okay, something's going on here. And fortunately, because I was immersed in that world of like uh, uh, reading assessment and, you know, assessing people's learning styles and learning needs and stuff, because I was working in this high-end tutoring center, uh, I had access to... Uh, the right contacts to get, uh, you know, a full diagnostic assessment and such. But by, of course, by the time I actually got the diagnostic assessment, I was already pretty certain anyway. Lush. I, I still, I still hold the record of still being the oldest person in the room, ah. uh, which is, which is cool. Um, I, I, you know, I'm only recently um, self-identified and it, it's something I wish I'd realized and, 
but like you, I worked in 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 in, in this, you know, with special educational needs, so on. And I just fitted. I just felt I belonged. I felt safe. I just felt oh, yeah. I was with friends. You know what I mean? I just you just from there. But but I'll, I'll digress on tangents. David's given me one of his stairs. So I mean, uh... <laughs> t- t- tangents are wonderful, right? It it comes with the neurology, right? It's, it's part of oh, who we yeah. are. We're all about Definitely. the tangents. So um. We've got so you have. We're here for the passion. We are here for this. Yes. So, so t- I, I would love to know origins, thoughts, uh, inputs. What, what, what you referenced, what influenced you? Please, just, just go for it. This is. Oh, there's so much. Okay. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I met. Uh, in my sophomore year in high school, I met uh, Andrew M. Reichardt. Uh, who uh, remains my closest friend to this day. And uh, I was coming out of, uh, I'd been uh, thrown out of the public school system and was, uh, you know, been in a, a school for delinquent youth for a few years and was just coming back to the public school system and uh, full of, you know, coming from a world of, exciting juvenile delinquency and lots of drugs and uh, lots of heavy metal music. And then Andrew was kind of coming in from his own particular world of uh, lots of uh, uh, geekery and role-playing games and deep imagination. And we were just kindred spirits. We hit it off right from the start at first meeting. And before we knew it, we were uh, world building together. We were, you know, doing role playing games and co-writing fiction and sort of uh, just just doing world building with this. I both of us had this idea of wanting to tell stories of one kind or another. And so uh, we started that really early and a lot there are characters in weird luck that we came up with you know in our in our teens and so you know years went by and we were pulled into different things and such and uh, none of which really involves a lot of writing and uh Andrew kind of had this ongoing ambition to be a writer. I'd always wanted to do comics, but my life took me in other directions. A lot of years of just struggle, uh, you know, as a, an autistic person without a lot of resources. And uh, it really wasn't until, you know, um, we were in our 40s and I had started on my academic career path and Andrew had just sort of had some some revelations in his life, some changes, and started finally uh, writing fantasy novels. And so, uh, yeah, somehow that started like our all that old world building we'd done over the years started coalescing. Um, Andrew wrote a fantasy trilogy, the City of the Watcher trilogy, which he self-published and is out of print, but is coming back into print in a whole like exciting revised illustrated edition in the next year or so from Autonomous Press. And, uh, you know, then went on to write uh, this amazing psychedelic novel, Wallflower Assassin, that 
uh, drew very much on our shared world building. And yeah, it was about um, 2015. And I, I started writing uh, uh, short fiction, also set in our same sort of shared universe that we were starting to call the Weird Luck Saga at that time. And uh, about 2015, you know, I just started to uh, produce fiction. Andrew had this trilogy out and we were involved in a, a theater project in an experimental theater project with sort of a Jungian bent where we were, uh, we were uh, focused on uh, tapping into the, the energy of the muses or the, the, the spirits of creativity and like tapping into our deep uh, buried creative capacities. And it stirred up all the stuff for me about my childhood creative dreams. And I just said to Andrew one day, as we were walking to a session of this theater work, I said, let's do a web comic together. And it just came together from there. Andrew had, um, uh, you know, found for uh, to do the cover art for his self-published novels, he found this amazing artist named Mike Benowitz, whose previous output was mostly uh, uh, album covers, stuff for local metal bands. And uh, Mike had kind of been looking all his life for uh, a, a, a comic project that grabbed him. And it just came together as this three-way collaboration with me and Andrew and the creative chemistry we had. And then Mike just like really just brought it to life. And so that's, that's where we are. That's how it came to be. I mean, I, 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 I now am awaiting the next segment. I'm loving the name. Mm -hmm. the, the graphics is lush. Mike, um, is, Mike is amazing and he keeps getting cool. better. He keeps it getting, really that's cool. what's really striking. I mean, he's never, Mike has never done, you know, anything. None of us have done anything this ambitious in the long term, but just, you know, producing page after page of a comic, one just gets better. And you see that with web comics a lot, where you look at the first few, the early months and years of a web comic, and it's like, wow, the author, the artist really didn't know how to do this yet and you watch the art get better and better. In Mike's case, he started out great. He was already, he's a, you know, even the first pages are, are spectacular, but then he keeps getting better. And I've just seen the first couple of pages of the next chapter and they're just, they blew my mind. It's like, oh, wow, how did he get even better? Yeah, so it's, it's just, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, I mean, David, I'll stop talking in a minute. I, I have got to say that this is my first web online web comic, and I I, just, I loved it. I, I put it, I shared it to a page I run. I just went, "This is lush." I just yes. shared it in the heat of the moment, like last night. I just went, "This is really cool," and I just found it really. Oh, I'm a geek. I love the the interdimensionality of it, and and I shouldn't give too much away because people are going to read it. Um, I, I I do want to ask where. What influenced you? What what did you read or see when you were younger that really really gave you, you know, to 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 make this these these you know these 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 universes together? Mm, um, well, taking lots of LSD together was a big influence uh, yeah, be because cool. 
there was uh, there was a sense, you know, we were into that in our teens and uh, early twenties, and there was this there was this sense we had. Um, I mean, we all had, we had this massive. There was a massive musical influence too. You know, there was a, a, a you know we're both you know Andrew and I were both you know teenage metalheads, and there was that you know met, uh, metal especially back you know in those you know like in the nineteen eighties and all. There was such it's got such this epic quality. It's got yep. such this you know grand grand storytelling, oper- almost operatic quality. Uh, to it, everything kind of larger than life and evoking fantastic universes. And so, uh, so yeah, there was a lot of that, that sense of uh, music influencing it and the imagery, uh, you know, the, the comics and the animation of the day, but also that, and that, that the way that psychedelics evoked that for us, there's this sense of like on, on LSD, of like you walk through a doorway into another room or walk from the outside into a building or from the, uh, the indoors into the outdoors. And it feels like you've stepped into an entirely different universe. And so that really just, uh, that really that really shaped a lot of it was that, that sense. Um, also there's this, this amplifying effect uh, with, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, with, with the autistic mind, we get this exciting associative thinking of uh, Andrew's not autistic, definitely not neurotypical, but not autistic. But, but I, I, I find certainly my consciousness, there's this constant associative thinking, drawing, perceiving connections between things. Uh, LSD has this amplifying effect on perceiving connections where everything somehow takes on this resonance and sense of synchronicity. And so uh, that gave us this concept of weird luck, this concept of like, it just like somehow, sometimes we just be, you know, be on acid and like some theme would come up and we'd keep running into some recurring theme, like some sentence one of us would say, and then we'd run into some random person and they would say the same thing or make reference to the same thing. And that that synchronicity took on a real sense of uh, uh, elevated meaning on psychedelics. And so the idea of what would it be like to live with uh, constant synchronicity gave us this idea of of weird luck. And what would it what would life be like if you were just born with uh, um exceptional levels of weird luck it's sort of like instead of uh 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 instead of you know the a lot or alongside of the concept of like you know gender diversity because i'm you know trans and queer and all that so i think about gender diversity think about neurodiversity but what about like karmic diversity and like this you know weird luck is this uh uh sort of uh uh, karmic variant where what is more prone to synchronicity and weird happenings. And so that tied in with it. Um, and then the, the comics of Matt Howarth, Matt Howarth was a very, still is, uh, a very unique and peculiar comic creator who started out doing a series called Changes for Heavy Metal. And his, uh, his work, uh, centers a lot of Howarth's work, uh, 
uh, centers around a city called Bugtown where uh, everyone who's born there is capable of shifting at will into alternate universes. And so that was definitely an influence, that vibe of, you know, just the sense of what is it, what does it mean to be able to shift between alternate universes and, uh, you know, who would, uh, who would use that ability how, and how would that work and who would try to police it or prevent it? So yeah, all of those things were, were major influences. I, I, I've got my phone here. So I'm, I'm looking up at my house. I'm, I've got your, 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 your images on here as one and stuff. So that's why I keep looking to a particular aspect of the screen. I, 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 I spend my daytime sometimes trying to fathom time um, mm. and, and, and multiverse and, and and I just I get lost I get lost and it's something I've I've I get such immense peace in getting lost in about the flow of time time's arrow you know that branch theory universe you know if I sit down one universe is created if I stand up another universe is created all this kind of stuff I just I just I get lost in it I get lost in it and I'm happy I'm at some kind of peace I go to bed um, my partner just cannot find this I go to bed watching videos about um, what is consciousness and what is reality um, and multiverse theory and time. And I'm, I, I go to sleep happy. But you're like our, you're our, you're our dream audience. You're like our perfect oh, audience. Well, I, that's, why, that's, why that's why I got so excited. <laughs> so I'm going to let Dave talk now. It's not really bad, but I did. I read it and I went, Oh, this is just, this is it. This is multiverse interdimensional. <laughs> I just thought it's fantastic. So, so sorry. I, over to you, David. I apologize. No need to apologise, Tigger. No, it's uh, I've loved this first bit of the conversation. It's been really good hearing all of this stuff. And uh, um, I certainly vibe a lot with, you know, what's being said about, you know, uh, the experiences on, on acid and how that's influenced creative work. And especially that thing about the, the synchronicity and, and, you know, seeing connections. Um, you know, obviously people know that I have quite an extensive history with the, uh, various uh substances i don't like that word but i also yeah, don't know me think... either <laughs> but, <laughs> um, we'll but, right uh, but um yeah um i i guess the 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 question that's been burning in my mind and uh it's going to be unsurprising given what the focus of my work outside of uh outside of this podcast is but what role do you think weird luck has played in your own well-being as an autistic person? Well, uh, it's because um, it's a little unusual because I came to it, you know, relatively, you know, late in life, Andrew and I, Mike and I, we started doing this in, in middle age. And so in a sense, you know, I'd already found a great deal of well-being. I think that if I had started uh, working on a project like this, uh, you know, in my early twenties or something, it would have been amazing and probably would have contributed greatly to my well-being because those were difficult years for me. But as it was, uh, you know, years and years of Aikido practice and Zen meditation practice and physical theater and stuff, like I'd found my own path to well-being. Uh, and really was was settling into my life, finally feeling really good at the time that I, we started working on the comic. And so, uh, 
but it's definitely, it's giving me a, a creative satisfaction that I've always yearned for. Um, there is with my, my nonfiction uh, work, you know, I encourage people to be creative, you know, all the, the, the my, neuro, my work on neuroqueering and such is very much about uh, creative, awakening the creative aspects of the self and creatively playing with embodiment and identity. But in terms of what satisfies me creatively, writing nonfiction is not that creatively satisfying to me. It's really this immersion in uh, a deeply intricate uh, fantasy world that's creatively satisfying to me. So yeah, it has brought a whole, a new level of satisfaction and passion and purpose to me to finally be doing something that I really, you know, the sort of work that I dreamed of doing as a, a kid. That's that's really interesting. And I, I like, <clears throat> I, I do like what you've said in uh obviously in neuroqueer heresies about you know embodying your neurodivergence and uh I, I do like myself to do that through creativity as well because um obviously some people know i i'm a published poet and um mm -hmm. you know something that for me um <clears throat> you know that i i find really satisfying is to capture my true self in words yes um and in written words because sometimes when i'm using spoken words it's like my brain is going through things so quickly that i don't always find the exact words i want to use but when i'm writing it's like i can find every word i want to use mm. um, and i think that's uh, that's why it's really interesting that you say you get this creative satisfaction from from you know doing the the weird luck series because i think I think creative satisfaction is something that every neurodivergent person needs because I, 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 I've not actually met a neurodivergent person who, in fact, I'm not sure I've met any person who doesn't have a creative side, but for some right. reason the world has been split into this whole, we've got the creative people and the scientists sort of thing. And, you know, but actually everything is creative and, uh, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I really like about what you said is, you know, you have to, you have to embody it in everyone needs a creative outlet, I think. And uh, I think that's fantastic. But um, Tigger, do you, do you want to ask a question? Cause I yeah, feel no, like I've I, been I, I rambling just, for a while. I've got a bit, a bit of attention. I think it's, it's, it's Feynman. Um, if I, if I'm very bad at pronouncing names, I apologize. I think he's Richard, is it Feynman, who's, I think, a physicist? Mm -hmm. He yes, talks yes. about he can understand the, the, the mathematics of, you know, sunlight and, you know, and, and photons and all the rest of it, but he can also equate and respond to the beauty as light shines upon, upon flowers. And I love yes. that mixture. And, and, and just thinking about creativity, um, I am finding myself drawn towards possibly the acting world. Only because my partner's an actor. So I, mm -hmm. I have this thing that possibly further exploring who I am is something that I may well explore via words mm -hmm. and via a play. And nobody else Excellent. knows this apart from maybe my partner. Yeah. So this is, this is news, right? I mean, not now. It's I, love it. ages, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's, but I've seen people on stage. I've been involved in it a lot because of what my partner does and so on, and seen the development of the characters. And she's taught me a lot. And it's it's something where I've, I've sat down an awful lot of times, and I've thought, 
I just this this is this is tangent, isn't it? I'm sorry, I'm off. This is just something I would love to explore that creativity because I think I can get across who I am as an awesome autistic individual yes. so much more cohesively, so much more intimately, so much oh, more openly beautiful. in that format. Um, but that that's new. That that's we we, we gotta go back to. To, I, to, I love it. Novel, I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll segue. I'll bounce off that a little. I'll bounce off that and say that there is, there's a, a theater element to the, the comic too, because one, uh, I mean, we, we write it like a movie script, you know, the, the, we, we write a script for Mike to draw from and it reads, it reads like a movie or TV script. And it really, there's this whole element of like, we put ourselves inside the characters, you know, get, uh, uh, deep into the characters, you know, characters are very meaningful uh, to us, and we get deep inside the characters, and then we translate that visceral experience of who these characters are into something that looks like a TV or theatrical script, and then Mike has to get himself into, you know, reading the script and being what would the what would the embodiment of this character be like? So there's a, there is something of the same creative vibe as theater has in uh yeah. uh translating or understanding the characters into what comes out as the, the comic and the stories i mean it, it is it is it is visually um a beautiful experience it is mm -hmm. then from a thought process get out my brain from a thought process with the interdimensional you know creatures that are coming through mustn't give too much away you, you've got it you've got to see it you've got to see it you've got to read it um and with then the story that's developing I've obviously found it really engaging. I've obviously found it really cool, yeah, uh, really lush. Uh, um, but it, it mixes so much, uh, and it, it just seems a. Uh, it's just the symmetry of it all: the words, the images, the the, the and all those little little hints of what's going to come. You you I literally mm. you are waiting. I am waiting for the next bit. Oh, yes. There's little tidbits there. Who is that guy? Why why I'm... why is why is who is you know the person he oh, calls yes. you know and all this stuff and you think. oh, you know, and and that it's and it, that's it's got you. It's got you from very early on, and I really like that. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, I I for I am so into intricate plot and uh, real intricacy and interconnection, and uh, just sort of holding this whole very extended elaborate storyline in my head. One thing we haven't really talked about yet that I love to bring in here is um, the prose stories that the, again, what Andrew and I had created uh, as writers is what we call a we the Weird Luck Saga, which is this collection of interconnected stories. And so Andrew writes prose stories, some short stories and his, uh, uh, his novels. And then I write short fiction as well. Um, and, you know, and we're sort of this ever growing body of prose fiction that's all interconnected. It's all in the same universe or same multiverse. Uh, with characters that overlap and plot points that connect to each other. And all of that connects with the comic. Uh, we have this very interesting thing going where so far, uh, all, of, uh, all of the stories we've written uh, take place before the comic, except for Andrew's novel, Wallflower Assassin, 
which is one of my favorite novels. Oh, and Wallflower right. Assassin is the one piece of the Weird Luck Saga so far that actually takes place after the storyline of the comic, which makes it very excitingly full of spoilers in a way. Uh, but okay, I won't look at that one. The the fascinating thing about it, I mean, I do encourage you to look at it because um, there's something, it's almost like we're, we're queering the whole idea of spoilers because it's nonlinear, uh, because we're, we're telling different pieces of the story in different, uh, at, you know, different media, even at different times, you know, Andrew's writing parts of it, I'm writing parts of it. And then, and then there's the sort of the central, like, uh, you know, pinnacle of it is is the comic, and so, uh, which parts you've read and what order you read them in, you know, affects your experience of it. And so, it, it's it's like if you read the comic first and then you start looking at the short stories, you're like, oh, whoa, that explains the history behind this, you know. And if you read, you know, the stories first you come into the comic with all this knowledge that adds another level to it. And each piece stands alone. You know, you don't have to read anything else, any of the prose stories to read the comic, but it's like these extra layers and Easter eggs and interconnections here. And so, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> Tiger Sojak, who is our, our protagonist in the comic. Lush name, by the way. Lush yes, name. thank you. I, I, that's uh, real. I love Tiger, and she she's a wonderful comic, a wonderful protagonist for the comic. She doesn't appear in any of the pro stories. She's 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 just in the comic. So that, uh, um, but there's supporting characters in the comic who show up in these other uh, pro stories, and so you know, like so far, you know, the end of. The end of the first chapter, um, you know, Tiger has this uh, encounter with a mysterious figure who mentions someone called Smiley. And then we go on, you know, in chapter three that we just completed, she's looking for like, who is, who is Smiley and getting little hints from people who, who know of him. Now, if you've read my prose stories, then you know who Smiley is and that changes everything because then you know something that Tiger doesn't. Whereas if you start by reading the comic, you get to have the same mystery that Tiger does. And so different people are experiencing the story differently. No, that's, that's, that's I'm, I've obviously gone for the comic. You know, I'm intrigued about who he is, who Smiley is, who her mother is, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those, those are things which I'm, I'm, you know, in at, at this moment in time. I like the idea of that, that multifaceted is that kind of like bringing it from different angles. Because that again messes with time, doesn't it? Right. Time perception, which is like, yeah, spot on, absolutely spot on. I think that's my favourite thing here, actually, is, you know, this isn't just neuroqueering. This isn't just queering at all. This is queering time itself. Right. <laughs> and, mm. uh, like, I, I just, I think that's just fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, I really like um, that sort of storytelling that's non-linear and you've got sort of, you know, this bit has happened here, but actually that bit was the middle of this bit, and you have to see the connections between all the different bits. Like, um, <clears throat> I, I, uh, my, my favorite film is a film called uh, Cloud Atlas, mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. Uh, the storytelling in that, I don't know if you've seen it, 
but uh you know the the way it tells the story and you've got the five different storylines in five different times yes and it and and there's these connections between all of them and it's kind of got these themes of you know um reincarnation and you know it i i'm really you know i'm really excited to carry on reading weird luck now because i'll admit i'm only on page 14 of chapter one at the moment um, so i've still got a fair bit to go Ooh, i think I'm really careful. But, I, don't, uh, I don't want to give you spoilers but, <laughs> um, but no i'm 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 really excited to uh the the more the more you've talked about it here i'm really excited <laughs> to uh <laughs> to just mm. keep on reading because it sounds right up my street to be honest it's just, it's just um, to delve into the idea of time a perception you know the interdimensional and stuff it's just like yes please do you know what i mean and it really yeah, yeah. i, I yeah. love that mm, that it does it's just it's just it is and again you know added with the imagery I mean, as, as i said my phone's there so forgive me if you keep looking over there that the, you want to see what does he keep doing i keep looking at the images and just thinking wow now oh, yeah i i actually think now, I hope this isn't a spoiler in a way. I think I've got to go over it for a third time. And I think, by the way, we should be images. we should we should feel free to put in, to put spoilers in here because I think it's I think it's fine. This we're so early in the story here. I think yeah. any any spoilers we can throw in are just are just fine, you know, because so, yeah, there's so much so in the long I, run to come. Oh God, how long it's going to be? Right, no, first questions first. So, am I yeah. right in saying that I need to be looking at the images more as well? I would say uh, it's always good to look at the images and yeah, sometimes, you know, there's things hidden in the background. I mean, I mean, Mike's art is full of amazing detail and there's this wonderful uh, uh, synergy where sometimes we'll say to Mike, you know, okay, we need to put this figure in the background somewhere, you know, this thing in the background somewhere because it's relevant to, to the plot, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, and then sometimes Mike's just improvising. He's just like, okay, well, there's a crowd scene. I'm going to put, I'm, I'm going to draw these really interesting figures in the background that just appeal to my own aesthetic. And every now and then that'll influence the story. We'll be like, Ooh, we like that character so much. We're going to have him show up later. Oh, this is fluid. This is, this is lush. Cause I am, <laughs> I, I, cause I was reading it and reading it and, and getting to the story and thinking about stuff and so on and thinking of, and then I thought to myself, well, hang on, this. And I kind of thought image, and I'll carry on reading the story. And as so I was coming back on the train from um, from some work today, and I thought to myself, I think I might just look at the images mm-hmm. and let them tell yet another part of the story as well. Yeah, so I kind of inferred there was something interesting going on in the background. So it's lovely to see the interconnectability of it and how you influenced each other as well. Right. Um, and there's. I, 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 oh, go ahead. Oh, there's how, there's how a. How long uh, is this going to go on for? Oh, how long is it going to go on? Um. A long time. Uh, there is. This is. We're we're about halfway through volume one, and there are. I'm not sure how many volumes it will take exactly to tell the story. I know exactly where the story is going. But in terms of detour and level of detail and such, you know exactly how long it takes to unfold. But I'm, I mean, uh, you know, fate and weird luck willing and Mike willing, we're looking at, you know, uh, at least a decade of telling the story here. Whoa. That's really exciting. That's really exciting. There's there's a lot. 
like this, I mean, at this point, you know, we haven't even met all the major characters yet, you know, for like, this is, this is still like the, the, you know, in, intro kind of, kind of stuff. Uh, and I think that I, you know, people are going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be some dramatic surprises coming up. I mean, um, we've been focused on, you know, Tiger Sojak and sort of getting to know her world and her perspective and stuff. Um, and we will be more deeply focused on her uh, world and her history, you know, in the upcoming chapter four. After that, the remaining three chapters of, uh, you know, from five, six, and seven, the remaining three chapters of uh, volley of the first volume um, are focused somewhere completely different. The Doctor? On the psychiatrist? Oh, she'll be, she'll, she'll be back in the next chapter, in chapter four. Okay, right. But chapter five, six, and seven are where we go into Smiley and what Smiley's up to. And so that's a whole different perspective. That's a whole different, like, there's, cool. there's a bunch of crucial characters we haven't met yet, you know? So it's really like, uh, yeah, we're, we're building something here in this, in this volume. And there's so much more to happen and to unfold that uh, I think is going to not stop, not stop being surprising is my hope. No matter how many spoilers we throw out now, it's going to, it's going to, there's, there's, there's more surprises to come. So that's fun. That's actually quite pleasing to hear because you yeah. often get limited by things that go on to have something with a degree of longevity is quite lush i have to say because oh i, I love it, it yeah. you can explore it you can feel it you can smell it um mm -hmm. oh that that's i that oh, yeah i was like wow when you said that but that is really cool um wow okay that is that is really quite lush so I to get a bigger phone um I have one more question before we move on to the question we always end with. <laughs> and I suspect you probably get asked this question a fair bit about the comic. Um, is there any chance that the comic will ever go into print or will it forever be online? Oh, yes. We have every intention of putting it into print. So the, the, uh, uh, it's, the plan is that each time we finish a complete volume, we want to do a trade paperback of it. And I mean, of course, that's we, what, what we want to do is find a publisher who wants to work with us. Um, and, you know, someone, you know, it's one of the, uh, there's all these, there's companies now like Image Boom Studios that do create, specialize in creative, creator owned properties where they don't buy the rights to the characters, the creator retains the rights. And so we're really, uh, hoping to shop it around like that once we finish the first volume. Don't know how long that will take, you know, how long the gap will be between finishing a volume and it being able to go into print. But uh, it's being drawn with that in mind that the uh, Mike actually uh, creates, his art is even more amazing when, uh, when you look behind the scenes. He's actually creating each page at this incredibly high resolution. The versions that are posted online are like a fraction of the full resolution of what he's drawing because he's drawing it for he's drawing it for print. That's uh, that's really exciting because I mean 
like I said, I'm only I'm only 14 pages into chapter mm-hmm. one. I've got to say, I already want to know who Beth is. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, and, um, and, and, and the, the doctor and her, um, and she something like this one's going to taste good or something. Oh yes, yeah? she's a very interesting. Bianca is actually my favorite character. Really? That that comes yes. like oh. Yes, she's, she is. Here. She is my favorite character, and she does. Uh, uh, she does appear in some of my prose fiction. If you were to, uh, okay. for instance, uh, acquire uh, volume five of the Spoon Knife anthology, there's a story in there by me called Something Nice, which is a story from Bianca's point of view from before the days of the comic. I'm, again, we, I'm going yeah, to be the, getting um, all the things. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got all your links on the podcast and the video. We'll make sure all the links are out there so everybody can 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 look at what we're raving about. I am um, super excited though about the prospect of one day holding a print version of oh, Weird Luck in my hand. So am I. So am I. <laughs> I am very yeah, call, very call, excited. Call me Bianca. It. I like yes. that. So yeah, definitely interested in that 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 extension on her character that you said there. Oh um, yeah, so, she'll, I mean, she'll be she'll be back. We'll be seeing a lot more of her. Gosh, I mean, we have got to wind up. I know, which is like because it's gone just like that again, hasn't it? Yeah. Hey, yes. Like, no. Well, um, uh, I'm happy for a future return visit. I think I'll tell you right now. I'm uh, Andrew is putting together uh, an anthology of uh, Andrew started a. a, 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 a has been doing a zine over the years where just like puts out, you know, a little limited edition, uh, puts out one of his stories, like a little limited edition zine and, you know, gives it out to, you know, a bunch of fellow writer friends and such like that. It's kind of calls a zine weird luck tales. And uh, he is just decided he's working on weird luck tales number eight, but he's decided to, actually turn it into a book length anthology now. And so there's this Weird Luck Tales anthology he's putting out, um, which he's putting together right now. And it's, I mean, most of the stories are not actually related to the Weird Luck comic. It's just, you know, likes the name Weird Luck Tales. Uh, but, But I'm writing a long story for it. I'm working right now um, on the, a story that's, uh, kind of almost novella length, um, which is, uh, you know, the latest, the latest installment in the Weird Luck Saga, another piece of uh, 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 stuff that happens well before the comic takes place, but it's got, uh, it's got Bianca in it. And then, you know, it's got, uh, it's got Smiley in it. So it's, it's definitely of potential interest to comic readers. And so uh, when Weird Luck Tales is released, that might be, uh, when this volume is released, that might be a very fun time to uh, do another another podcast episode here on this. I'm dying to whet people's appetites, as they say. So you've got um, uh, the heroine, um, mm-hmm. afflicted with weird luck. You've got Max, who I'm do- an interdimensional man of mystery. With yes, a, a chance and, for violence. And I will say, little spoiler, uh, spoiler, another little exciting spoiler here. If you look at Andrew's uh, amazing psychedelic novel, Wallflower Assassin, which again is the one piece that takes place after the comic, you'll see Max on the cover of that. Okay, thank you. Are you? <laughs> 
Uh, you got you got Hoban. An uh-huh. anthem of a, I can't say it probably anthem of fourth thing. I can't say it, Badger, uh, Mob Boss. Uh, you've got the the uh, is it Azak and Zach Zaka? Mm-hmm. Have I said those right? Yes, Ador- yes. That's his adorable talking, shape shifting, fire breathing murder dogs. I mean, come on, <laughs> well, that, that's just such a cool description. You you got you to just go to, to read it for that. You know, <laughs> adorable talking, shape shifting, fire breathing murder dogs. Wow. <laughs> yeah, go go go. We'll put all the links in here. Go and find it online. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I had to say, I always try and research each. You know what? What passionately each person wants to talk about. This was a real awesome surprise. I have to say, hence the enthusiasm. Yeah, and it was as you uh, yes. said, right up my street, and I loved it. We, we we are pushing for time. I'm sorry. So I will ask that last question, as Young okay. Davis directed me. And the young question is ever is, what is your favorite stim? Ah, uh, lovely. Well, I would say um, actually my Aikido practice is my favorite stim. I've been doing practicing Aikido since I was twelve. I've been teaching it my whole adult life and uh so it's just there it's full of these lovely uh uh spiral movements and they just made my way made their way into my embodiment so i'm i'm full of uh i'm full of these little uh you know little spiral uh movements and sort of full body full body spirals and i just uh, i lo- i love that stuff i love the feel of the art in my body and i'll say if you uh 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 in that uh chapter 1 of weird luck in that rooftop fight scene with max oh. you'll see matt you'll see max do an aikido style roll to 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 pick up a, a gun off the, the rooftop gun. yeah he does it yeah, 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 and we actually okay. we actually shot a little a little video clip of me doing one of those rolls and sent it to mike so he could draw the roll Wow, that's excellent. <laughs> Boom, yeah. Oh, that is right. mustn't give too much away. Got, got to read it. Got to read it. Got to read it. D- David, anything else you would you would finish with? Ask quickly. I guess. I mean, I think we've we've covered a lot, um, and there's so much more to cover. But we will definitely do a part two. There's a lot of part twos coming up, isn't there? Oh, Tigger? wonderful! I know. I'm I'm excited for this. I love a good sequel. Um. So, yeah, I guess. I'll just uh, bring it to a close. So thank you for listening, everyone. This has been the Especially Interesting Podcast from Academy. We have been here with Dr. Nick Walker talking about her creative work on the Weird Luck uh, saga, universe. Um, Universes, multiverses, uh, timeverses. Seriously, go and check it out. Go and check it out. It is fantastic. And... uh, as for us, we've been David Gray Hammond and Tigger Pritchard, your co-hosts, and Woo-hoo! we will see you in the next episode. Take care, everyone. Thank you all so much. Bye. Thank you.